Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we worship. Somebody give the Lord a mighty, mighty hand clap. Can we make it bigger for the Lord? Hallelujah. Are you excited this morning? Well, give the Lord a shout of praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You excited this morning? You should be happy being in the house of God. Amen. There is no other place we should be on a Sunday morning than worshiping our King. Amen. Then praising our King. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's have our sit this morning. We will have a great time in God's Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Alright. Let's, uh, let's get ourselves ready for the Word. I believe that we will receive transformation and insight by the teaching of the word. God's word is God's method of change. That's how God changes people. And I trust God this morning that his word will come forth with power and light in the name of Jesus. Alright, let's, let's have a word of prayer together and let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We've been, uh, I I don't want to call it a series, but we've been having the discussion around basic things that can help us grow, become spiritually matured, in the things that God wants us to do. And we've, we've, we've by the Holy Spirit, come up with a quote that, um, that we've been using. And what's that? Who can remind me what that quote is? Do you want us to start prayers again? You have to be confident about this thing. If you know it, you know it. Let's, let's, let's say it. What is that? That's better. Champions are masters of the basics. Don't, don't forget it. You know, at certain times, these things are the things that God is using to teach us something specifically. They should mean a lot to us. And, and it's important for us to understand that God wants to communicate a certain dimension of truth to us. And we have to follow him as he's teaching us, as he's instructing us in these areas. Because when God starts communicating certain truths to us, it's because of what he has in mind. Praise God. So we said, champions are masters of the basics. And don't ever forget that. So let's go to First Peter chapter 2. Remember we started with that way 
when we started these teachings, where we talked about the law of desire. Do you still remember that? I can't hear you. Do you still remember that? Alright. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. First Peter 2, 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice. So, you have to deliberately put aside malice. You have to do it. It's a conscious decision. Okay? And all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Those things listed there are some of the greatest problems to spiritual growth. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Many times, people do not know that they have envy until someone gets blessed with what they are believing God for. You need to, we need to come to a place where we actually rejoice from our heart when we see our brothers and our sisters get blessed and not wishing that it was us. you, You have to be conscious of it. See, every one of us, every one of us, it's something we have to deal with. Praise God. Imagine you're trusting God for something and your your neighbor gets it. You know, sometimes the way we respond to other people's blessing is reducing our commitment because we feel like, ah, we've been very committed. We're the ones that deserve this thing. That's the very reason you don't have it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must come to the point where when something good happens in the life of someone, you are genuinely happy for them. You see, if you can cross that barrier, you walk in in the blessings of God. But that's a subject for another day. The next verse says, Like newborn babies long for the, the New American Standard Bible says long for the King James and the New King James says desire for the pure milk of the word so that by it, the it that will refer to the word, you may grow in respect to salvation or respect to salvation. Now, when we started having this talk, we talked about the law of desire. And we talked about the desire is what prompts your growth. The level of your desire. Who can remember the example of the man we used in the law of desire? Zacchaeus. We said Zacchaeus was a short man who wanted to see Jesus, but his desire prompted him to do what? To climb the tree. Don't forget these things. It's very important. His desire prompted him to climb what? The tree so he could see Jesus. Now, I was thinking about this. Mike Mudok says, The secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. Write that down. 
The secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. What that means is that if a man will show you what he does daily, it is a pointer to his future. The secret of your future, Dr. Mike Mudok said, is hidden in your daily routine. The secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. Then I said this. You form your habits and your habits will form you. You form your habits and then your habits will form you. Now, it's important for us to understand that it is habits that make men spiritually and naturally also. Your, your habits will ultimately determine how far you would go in life. If you, if you have wrong habits, they will impede, they will slow down your progress in life. Glory to God. Now, Jesus in Mark chapter 1 verse 35, we've always read this, but let's read it again. Tundu was ham to read it again. Mark 1, 35. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Thank you Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Alright. Mark 1, 35. It's good to say something. In the early morning, you know, I, when I said it's good to say something, I remember uh, I was preaching in the U.S., I was preaching in this church. There were a lot of black Americans there. So I finished preaching, and then there was this woman at the back, you know, towards the end of my message. She just shouted, Pastor, don't let him go! <laughs> you know, and I just remember when I said it's good to say something, uh, you know, there are some places you go to and as you are preaching, the people are, you know, the people are shouting, preach on pastor, ride on pastor, talk to my neighbor pastor, I wish my husband was here pastor. No, that, that's not the type I'm talking about. Amen. Alright. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. It says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a secluded place and was praying there. Now, I want you to observe something, okay? Jesus got up while it was still dark. Now, let's go to the verse before this one. So that will be verse 34. Let's go to verse 34. 33, 34, 35. And we'll stop at verse 36. So let's go back again to 33. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases. Cast out many demons. He was not permitting the demons to speak. Because they knew who he was. But you know today we take pleasure in interviewing demons. Who are you? How many are you? What's your name? When did you enter? What have you done to him? 
You know, even when the demons tell us, oh, where we entered in 1962, we have killed his father, we have killed his mother. We're not sure again. We say, repeat it, let them hear. I'll tell you this, right? The Bible says that the devil is the father of lies from the beginning. There is nothing that a demon tells you that's the truth. They don't have the capacity to tell the truth. Praise God. Well, go and think about that. And the whole city had gathered at his door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a secluded place, and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. I want you to see something about daily habits. Jesus has just had a massive success. The Bible says the whole city gathered at his door. He had done this massive healing campaign. Demons have been cast out. How many of you think that, I mean, how many of you think if I was preaching here and the whole city was gathered, praise God, this Sunday morning, and I casted out many demons, healed many people. Do you think if I go to sleep, the first thing I'm going to do on a Monday morning is to get up while it's still dark to go and pray? You guys are right. What will I do? I'm already successful. The anointing is flowing. Remember when I taught on this verse? Last two years, I said the Christian's response to success is more prayer. You know the reason many people miss their quiet time? Because they are already successful. <laughs> That's why. But Jesus had a habit. You know, every time we talk about habit, we always look at it from a negative perspective. Every time you hear that word, habit, you know, you always hear a habit I'm struggling with. I have this habit. that No. Let's begin to see it from the point of positivity. We can have habits that would make us become spiritual giants. One of those habits is having our quiet time. Having your quiet time. It doesn't matter what you achieved the day before. When you get up every morning, you go before the Father. You start afresh. Praise the name of the Lord. You see right here, Jesus had this massive success. The whole city was gathered at his door. But he got up. You know, I, I said we should read up to verse 36. He went to a place to pray that the disciples had to actually look for him. That means Jesus actually went away so he can really have time to pray. If not, the disciples wouldn't be searching for him. So Jesus did not just get up, go to one corner of the house, oh, Father, I thank you for what happened yesterday. No, no, he really went out. Praise God. He really took his time. So the disciples had to look for him. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? But what, what, what I want you to see here is that Jesus had a habit of having a quiet time with the Father. And despite the success he had achieved in that a day before that the whole city was gathered at, the feet of, at his feet and he had miracles and had demons casted out. When he got up the next day, he still went to spend time 
with the Father. Let's look at this. There's a scripture that came to my mind this morning, and I want us to read it. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 6, and verse 16. Quiet time. The secret of spiritual giants. If you want to become a spiritual giant, you must learn the habit of having your daily quiet time. These are basics. But champions are masters of the basics. They have mastered the act of spending time before the Father. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths. It says ask for it. <coughs> right? Now, where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But it says we will not walk in it. We won't there. You know, while I was going over this scripture, a phrase came up in my spirit. You know, carnality will cause spirituality old school. You know, you know, today we have <laughs> we have new school Christians, right? You know, right? You don't know. You now know. So say yes. Right? That's it. You're destroying everything away. Destroying everything away. Oh, that's old school. That, that's old school. He says, ask for that ancient path so you can find rest for your souls. You know, I was thinking, when you, when you grow up in the village and you're going to the farm, right? If you're going to the farm, if you have not been to the farm before, you need someone to actually guide you. Because when you actually stand and you look at the, the, the bush, it looks like there's no road. Hmm? But it might just be a tiny path somewhere that will open up. Once you get into it, you discover that that's the road to the farm. You know, there's no GPS. Your grandmother or your grandfather has to lead you. Praise God. There are ancient paths, ancient principles, ancient practices. I, I've, I've, I mean, age-wise, I'm young, but I've, I've never been a fan of modern Christianity. Never been a fan of modern Christianity. Never will be. Revivers were always birthed because people sought the ancient path. People got tired of what they were experiencing as Christians. And they began to seek the Lord. And then the power and the glory of God poured forth. That's what always had led to revival. Because every generation always likes to lower the standards to the point of compromise. Every generation. They, they try to... They try to it's, it's, you know, and, and by the time... You want to get into the deep things of the spirit, then people say that's legalism. No, you can pray anytime you want to. Oh, you can you, you can fellowship with God. You can God hears you when you talk. You can you can talk to God. He's your father. There is a dimension of God being our father, but there is a place of discipline that can make us become spiritual giants. How many of you are following what I'm saying? 
says, look for it. And what was going to happen when you find this ancient part? You are going to find rest for your souls. But what did they say? He said, we will not walk in it. As powerful as God is, He cannot make you grow spiritually. It's your choice. Praise God. It's your choice. You have to choose to grow. You have to choose to, to fellowship. You have to choose to pray. You have to choose to do what you're doing. You're not a robot. He's giving you a will. Many believers are too busy to know God intimately for themselves. No one grows by being fed on a sumptuous meal once a week. As great as the teaching of this church is, as great as the, the ministers and the apostles that God has put in the body of Christ are, you cannot grow spiritually just by feeding once a week. It's your personal quiet time that your spiritual muscles are developed as you spend time with God. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm a bit cautious here, but I want, to, I want to say this. I'm not talking about family devotions. This is nothing about corporate family devotions. I'm talking about your one-on-one -on -one time with God. Now, you've got to understand this. As, even as you train your children and you have devotions with your children, you've got to start teaching them or, and bringing them to the point where they also have their own quiet time with the Lord. That's the end point. Because you can get to the point where family devotions become a ritual. Right, six o'clock, we are gathered, we are gathered, we are gathered. Oh yeah, pray for us. <laughs> and, 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 and we begin to get into the routine of it, praise God, and then it becomes a religious practice. Are you following this now? So, as you do your corporate devotion, the end point is that everyone comes to the point where they can have their personal time with God. That's the goal. That's the goal. Devotionals are great. And that's why I say I'm a bit cautious, but I need to push this a bit further. Devotionals are great, but they cannot replace the personal teachings and lessons of the Holy Spirit that God wants to show you from scriptures. Because I see people grow up with devotionals and they don't win themselves from it. They don't win themselves from it. There are things God wants to teach you that are personal to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That the devotional for that day might not capture. Because then, people gather the rituals. Oh, what are we reading today? Uh, Matthew, hey, say the prayer. Uh, we have prayed. Say the confession. We have confessed. Done. You, and they take that as a duty. Did you do your devotion this morning? Yes, I did it. Duty done. That's not the goal. Quiet time is not fulfilling your, your it's, not, it's, not, it's not something you say, oh, I've ticked my devotion for today. No, it's actually spending time before the Father. Praise God. I have nothing against devotionals, but I don't think you, I don't think that, I think you should get to a point where you're reading the Word. Well, I mean, let me just put it as simple as that. Where you're fellowshipping with the Word. Praise God. It can help you to a point, but it gets to a point where you, you go into the source. 
and you're, you're getting fed and getting instructed because every one of us, we have a personal plan from the Father. Glory to God. Are you still here? Alright, so uh, uh, the key to becoming a spiritual giant is fellowshipping with the Lord daily. I want to pause here. I want to read a letter. I stumbled all in while I was studying here. Written by Martin Luther, the reformer. Not, not, not uh, civil rights activist. Martin Luther, the theologian. And the, the title, I just want to read something to you here. The title of the letter is A Simple Way to Pray for a Good Friend. It was written in 1535. Now, Martin Luther's barber uh, asked him, how do you pray? Okay, but this was reprinted in 1975, but it was actually written in, in 1535. Now, so Martin Luther replied the barber with a letter. So, the, 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 the barber's name was Peter. So he said, Dear Master Peter, I give you the best I have. I tell you how I pray myself. May our Lord God grant you and everyone to do it better. Then he talks about how he prays and everything. But this is the phrase I want to go to. He says, it's a good thing to let prayer, this is Martin Luther speaking now, be the first business in the morning and the last in the evening. Then he says, guard yourself. Remember I'll talk about the ancient part, so we're, we're reading an ancient later. Guard yourself against such false and deceitful thoughts that keep whispering, wait a while. In an hour or so, I'll pray. I must first finish this or that. Thinking such thoughts, we get away from prayer into other things that will hold us and involve us till the prayer of the day comes to naught. It says, it's a good thing to let prayer be the first business in the morning and the last in the evening. Guard yourself against such false, false thoughts and deceitful thoughts that keep whispering, wait a while. In an hour or so, I'll pray. How many of you have had those thoughts? Every one of us, come on. Huh? I, I, I will pray. I, I will pray. I, I will pray. I will pray. How many of you know that when you start saying, I will pray, you end up not praying? And you think you'll be a giant that way? How many of you think somebody will be a giant always procrastinating going to the gym? <laughs> and it says, thinking such thoughts, we get away from prayer into other things that we hold us and involve us till the prayer of the day comes to naught. Now look at this. We have to watch out so that we may not get wind from prayer by fooling ourselves that a certain job is more urgent. This is Luther writing to the Baba now. He says, we have to watch out so that we may not get wind pulled out from prayer by fooling ourselves that a certain job is more urgent. How many times have we thought that something was more urgent than our quiet time? Sending the children to school. Making breakfast. Huh? Come on, are you still here? 
Ah, let me quickly tidy this up. And instead of prayer being the first business of the day, it's almost no business in the day. Look at this. We have to watch out so that we may not get wind from prayer by fooling ourselves that a certain job is more urgent, which it really isn't. And finally, we get sluggish, lazy, cold, and weary. But this is, this is what got my attention here. He says, but the devil is neither sluggish nor lazy around us. How many of you think that's true? The enemy is not sluggish. The enemy is not lazy. He's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom to devour. He's not doing it lazily. When, 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 when the enemy appeared before Job, come on, what did he tell the Lord? He says, I've been going to and fro the earth. The man hasn't stopped walking. He would have done so many thousands, millions of kilometers, moving around, just looking. For who is sluggish, looking for who is laid back. What would your life become if you prioritize your quiet time with God? And, and you know, this thing is not about it's not about a man, it's not about it's it's about yourself growing to become all that God has ordained you to be. You know, as, as a pastor, I've always, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I've always not had that, uh, I don't know how to put it. Maybe that also had conditioned my, my life in a certain way. But, you know, sometimes we feel like when we come to church, when we fellowship, we're doing something for the pastor. Or we're doing something for, it's almost like you're doing uh, the pastor a favor. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, if I'm coming to church and I'm... No, no, no. You're still... You're, you're actually not doing me any favor. You're not. It's like, if I come here and preach, I think I'm doing you a favor. I'm not doing you a favor. I'm doing... This is my assignment. <laughs> this is what God has called me to do. Praise God. And, and, and I'm staying faithful to what God has called me to do. And you need to stay faithful to what God has called you to do, but you find some of those things out as you fellowship with God. You know, one of the reasons why the prophetic ministry has gone, uh, permit me to use that word, the prophetic ministry has, is, like that, is like this in our generation, you know, is because many people have not been trained to hear the voice of God. And you know the reason why many people have not been trained to hear the voice of God? They are too busy to hear God's voice. And so they are looking for someone who will come and say, Hey you, do I know you before? Say no. Okay. Have you seen me before? No. Have you met me before? No. Have I met you before? No. Has the devil met two of us before? Yes. Just looking for... And he say, oh, something is wrong with you. This is happening to you. That is happening to you. The Lord can move in the gifts of the Spirit. No doubt the Lord has helped us once to get in those moves. But you know, the believer is not supposed to be having those things every Sunday morning. 
And how many of you know the summary of everything where the prophetic word is ending up? Somebody who is trying to kill you. That's the summary. Nothing different. But you know, if you spend time with God, He will speak to you from the inside. Look at this. Psalm 5 verse 3. Let's look at David. And uh, as we began to move from the evangelical and we began to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God upon the Pentecostals, this is something we began to lose track of. Uh, discipleship and spiritual formation. And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. We've been friends for, for, for about 21 years. I'll be preaching for him this month. And I was sharing some of these thoughts with him. I said, what's going on? We, we that are pastors in... This is our generation. We that are pastors in this generation, we need to, we need to call ourselves to order. We need to question ourselves. What's going on? What, what's happening to the church? Why, why is the church thousands of miles wide, but few inches deep? Why, why is there no depth? Why, why can't people enjoy sound doctrine? Why are people not going for the word? And he said something very remarkable. He said something very remarkable. He said, We teach people the fruits of our lifestyle, but we don't teach them our lifestyle. And I said, you're spot on. So, I'll give you an example, right? I come and I teach you how to be successful, how to prosper, and all of those things, which are good. It's not, not taken out of those teachings. But, you see, for the, for the child of God, those things are fruits of a lifestyle. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? They are fruits of a lifestyle. There is a lifestyle that you have to adopt. You know, I posted something yesterday, those of you who follow me on social media. When there's an example of humility in the body of Christ, I'm, 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 I'm amazed at how it goes viral. How people, how people, you know, they're almost worshipping like, wow, as powerful as this man. See how humble he is. And I'm like, that shows how far we are from the cross. Because these are basic Christian virtues. I don't know if you, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's, we should be humble. <laughs> if you understand. But when, when pride has taken over a generation, a sign of humility looks like, wow, how can a man be that humble? Come on. That is the basics. He that wants to be great among you must be servant of all. We shouldn't be looking for humility in church. We should rather be spotting pride. But when there's excess pride, humility now becomes what you're looking for. I, I, have you ever thought about how impressed we are with people that are humble? Like, oh, pastor is so humble. That's the default of a normal, sane 
born again child of God. If, that is, if a child of God is normal. Do you understand? Because, but if it's normal, that he is well, he's born again, he actually got born again. Humility should be his default. It's, it's not even what we should celebrate. In that sense. Because that's our life. That's why you were born again. We were not born again so we can be competing with each other how proud we can become. But how do we have these things dealt with in us? Is as we spend time with the Father. Because there are things God will tell you that your pastor might not be able to tell you. That your wife will not be able to tell you. That your children will not be able to tell you. It is as you go before the Lord in your quiet time, the Lord will begin to point areas of pride to you, areas of envy to you, areas of hypocrisy to you, and God will begin to form you into His image. If you miss out of those quiet times, I bet you nobody would likely tell you. Have you observed that we like friends who accept us the way we are when we don't want to change? That's, that's the world we have formed ourselves right now. What we have, what, the world we have formed ourselves right now is we cut off people who tell us the truth. And we build a gang of those who don't mind our attitude. And the next word we are going to throw at anybody who's tried to talk to us. Come on. How many of you know the two words in this generation? Don't judge me. Are you perfect? Can we judge? There is a standard for judging. Because the Bible says I can judge myself. So that I'm not judged. I mean I'm not saying go about judge other people. But we can tell when you cross the line. And are you perfect? He says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Don't seek for ways to tilt towards your humanity. Seek for ways to tilt towards your divinity. Jesus did not come just to make you imperfect. He came and put His Spirit in you. And if you would listen to the Holy Ghost, He will make you perfect. Say amen. amen. Good. Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Four things in this verse. Powerful, powerful. I love the Psalms. Ah, the Psalms are amazing. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. David is just an amazing person. Praise God. Four things from this Psalm. Number one, watch the time. He says, in the morning. In the morning. What's going to happen? Number two, you will hear my voice. In the morning, you will hear my voice. What, how, how is that for a commitment? How is that for a commitment? Say, God, you know what? In the morning, you will hear my voice. I'll speak to you. And number three, what's the thought in there? I will present my prayer to you. I will communicate to you. And I like number four. And then what? I'll eagerly watch. 
What's happening here? This verse tells you everything about the quiet time. In, in your quiet time, you're not only speaking to God, you are allowing God to what? Speak to you. You're watching what He will say. Praise God. You're going before the Father and going through your scriptures and watching what He will say. You know, you know, in school, certain things will happen to us and we say, no, God gave me a word concerning that. How did God give us that word? As we're reading the scriptures. Praise God. You know, how many times have you fellowshiped with God in the morning in your quiet place and you go to your workplace and something just happened and you remember, you remember, you remember the scripture you read that morning and what the Lord said to you. That's how we gain victory on the earth. You know, saints of God, this hurriness, this busyness, this when a hurry to get out, ask yourself, how far has it taken us? Hmm? This rush. Hey, 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 hey. Where are we? After many years. You know, as a pastor, the Lord began to deal with me where this is concerned. You know, sometimes you start, you start out in church, in ministry, you're depending on God, you're praying. And then, bam, the money is here. The crowds are coming. The doors are opening. What's, what's, what will begin to happen? You're caught up in administration. You're caught up in organization. And gradually, you begin to lose out of the quiet time and spending time with the Father. And things you weren't involved in before, you start getting involved in them. And that's why sometimes you're here, oh, bam, this happened to this big man of God. And you're like, how? How? Uh-uh, what happened? But if we constantly spend time before the Father, because ministry can take you away from God. I said, ministry can take you away from God. Let me tell you this, right? The more a minister gets successful, the only person that can tell if he is in the will of God is only himself and God. Because immediately, a minister breaks certain barriers. In the eyes of the world, he is always in the will of God. And that's danger. So as a minister... And it's the same thing with the child of God. As a minister, you have to constantly check with the Father. You have to constantly be in tune with the Father. And that's why ministry must flow out of your personal devotion. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are first a Christian before you are a pastor. To God, you are not Reverend Doctor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, <laughs> are, you, are you following this? You have to go before the Lord. And you need to watch this. Some of you that the Lord is calling to ministry. Your ministry has to flow out of that personal devotion. If not, there will be many things in the world that will carry you. Many strategies people will bring. Are you, are, you, are you not amazed today where you see a lot of ministers leaving the ministry of teaching God's word and establishing doctrine and empowering the saints with the gift of the spirit and all they want to become right now is consultants. They don't even want to call themselves pastors anymore. Say, who are you? Author, speaker, life coach, brand strategist. 
We bring divine imputes into earthly systems. See, that's how to get the world. But the Bible says that it's through the foolishness of the preaching of the cross that people are saved. God doesn't want us to brand men. He wants us to get them born again. Nothing wrong with branding. But we can brand sinners and they still end up in hell. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, God is giving... Come on, are you here? God is, giving, God is giving that responsibility to certain people. If you are called into the fivefold ministry, you have one assignment. To preach, teach, and heal. We can't be too modern to despise the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People need to be rooted in doctrine. People need to be convinced. I mean, go on Twitter. And see how young people are, are turned into atheism. They're not believing in God. Not, I, mean, I mean, they're cutting sacred things down. You don't blame them. Because no, there's no conviction. Scripture says, talking about Timothy's grandmother and his mother and the genuine faith that is in Timothy. How come they were able to pass faith down in three generations? Timothy's grandmother was not too busy to train her daughter in the faith. And Timothy's mother was not too busy to make sure his son got in the faith. If we're too busy to fellowship with God, we will be too busy to raise our children in the way of God. And hear me, child of God, your child will not be raised in the way of God just because you bring them to church on a Sunday morning. They will be raised in the way of God when you are raised in the way of God. Even your child will pay very serious attention when all you do is to cut down preachers from Monday to Saturday. I don't know why the preachers are taking our money. Tight, every time, tight, every time. Money, money, money. Somebody cannot have God in peace. And then Sunday morning, let's go to church. <laughs> the child is just looking at you. He's waiting for when he will leave the house to tell you that, you know what, with your church and your God, I'm not interested. But when they see you in the midst of crisis, you take the word. Praise God. How many of you have observed that children who grow up from homes where the parents are reading, they end up reading? Even without telling them to read. Then how many of you also know children who grow up from rooms, homes where television is on 24-7, they need their TV on? Say Yes. Because children learn by examples and by precepts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is this good? Are you learning something this morning? Quiet time. What are some reasons for quiet time? Number one, scheduling your quiet time shows the importance you place on God and His Word. To schedule your quiet time shows the importance you place on God and His Word. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was thinking about this. And I, I'm, 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 please forgive me, but I say this from the heart of love. You know, sometimes I look at the things we teach marriage in, in our churches. We teach marriage seminar, right? And if you look at the content of what we teach most times in marriage seminar, we teach the external attitude, the psychological attitude. You, know, you follow me? 
You, we teach a lot of external things. We don't touch the inward man of the heart. I'll give you a typical example. You come to a marriage seminar. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Please, please, just understand. You come to a marriage seminar. You know what? Make sure your husband's food is ready on time. You know, cook in the morning. If he likes his meat uh, done, make sure it is done. You know, make the bed sheets. It's okay. Hmm? Both of you are born again. We've taught you all of that. And then... Both of you will have a crisis at home. And you will not hear. They are talking to you. I mean, people are reporting to you now. Uh, Pastor, I don't know if you can talk to us. Uh, what's the issue? My husband has not been uh, eating my food for the past three weeks. He has not been talking to me. B- believers. They are born again. Then you tell the man, what's happened? He said, okay, uh, since, since, since they have called you to this thing, I will just tell you my mind. I will just tell you my mind. I cannot lie before a man of God. My grandfather told me that when a woman is putting leg outside, you have to bring the second leg inside. That's, that's your member talking to you in the office. <laughs> you know what I say? Okay, but, but the Bible says you should love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I said, No. We are, not, we are not discussing Bible. That's why I respect you as a man of God. That's your member. He said, I respect you as a man of God, but I want to be real. In being real now, he has told you that this is not final authority in his life. And yet, that was the chairman of the main committee that organized the marriage conference. And what did they do in the marriage conference? Women bring baking pan. Women, this is how to do bones. When your husband is hungry, make bones in the morning. I... I What's wrong with us? Why? Because we want to use psychology to keep a spiritual institution. It will never work. It will never work. What about if we spend time in our marriage seminars teaching about the God kind of love, teaching about faith, teaching about patience, teaching about the fruit of the Spirit? And you know what? This marriage seminar, we want to focus on patience. And make sure that each of us understand what it means to be patient with one another according to the word standard. It will change our lives. And we better watch it. Because if we allow this whole psychological thing going out there, a time will come you start hearing Christians in the church say, you know what? We are not compatible. We did a test. The test shows that after 20 years, our compatibility has expired. I'll tell you, we laugh about it, but that's where we're going. Because now, we are listening to what people in the world have to say, and we're taking instructions from people that the Bible says are in darkness. And you know the reason we do that? Because they have money. Because mammon has become a god. And so when somebody has money, they've got the right to instruct you. And that is where the problem is. Can you say amen? Amen. But in our quiet time, the Lord can speak to you and say, you know what? The way you talked to your wife last night, that's not the way child of God should talk. You go and apologize. How many of you know your grandfather will never tell you to apologize to your wife? But God will tell you. 
And you know what God is doing? God is breaking the rod of pride. And as you go and meet your wife and say, I'm sorry, the way I spoke to you last night is not the way I should speak to you. In my prayers this morning, the Lord, the Lord made mention of that to me. And I just want to apologize. What's happening? You're building your marriage on the virtues of God. If you talk to your colleagues in the office, this is a word of knowledge for somebody right now. You didn't get it in your quiet time, but you're getting it on a Sunday morning. Publicly. <laughs> right? But if you go to your colleague in the office, say no. There's one book I read. I'll give it to you. Seven ways to handle a woman of purpose. <laughs> You read. <laughs> good. It's good to read books. But every book must be subject to the book. If what is in that book is not consistent in what is in this book, we throw it away. That's why we are children of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot, a lot going on right now. I mean, I'm sorry, just. You know, a lot going on right now. People talking about mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health. Praying tongues for a long time. Your mind will be rest. And we, 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 we begin, we are beginning to buy all those stuff. How's your mental health? How's your mental health? How's your mental health? You have the mind of Christ. People went into the lion's den, slept with lions, their mind was intact. We just had a pandemic. For goodness sake. We're buying into that. Just check your mental head. Check your mental head. Check your mental head. Nothing is wrong with you. You have the Holy Ghost on your inside. Don't you understand? Don't buy into all of these things going on. What some of these things are meant to do is to tell us that the word of God is not enough. Child of God, one word from God can reset your mind. He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Let's be bold for our God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How do we get this confidence? It's in those places of our quiet time. Even if stress is causing your mental health issues, the Holy Ghost will begin to tell you, you stop that. You cut that off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, no, no, you don't do that. Don't get involved in that. God will begin to guide you. I've seen depressed people get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to laugh in the spirits. And joy broke spirit of depression from them. We were in a camp meeting, one of my youth camps, and I was preaching and ministry. I was going up and I laid hands on a, a girl. I was just preaching and just laid hands on her, walked past. She came back many years later and told me, said, I've always been having suicidal thoughts. Says, but that day, as you were preaching and your hands just came on me and you walked past, said, that was the end of it. Suicidal thoughts were gone. There are things the Holy Ghost will do in one minute that 100 therapies will not get done. There is still saving power in the name of Jesus. There is still saving power in the blood of Jesus. There is still saving power in the name of Jesus. Let's not deny 
the name of Jesus, the power it has. We're not trying to be relevant. Don't you get it? We're not trying, we're not doing things so the world will like us. We're here to save the world. And you cannot save a world you have fallen in love with. Glory to God. Are you still here? Alright, let's go back to my notes. <laughs> number three, number two, it is time to fellowship with the Father and His Word. It is the source of our transformation. As we do our quiet time, it is the source of our transformation. It is the source of our transformation. Number three, you will hear the voice of the shepherd. You will hear the voice of the shepherd. It says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. You will hear the voice of the shepherd. You will master the silent and salient instructions of God. You will master how God talks to you silently. You will read the Bible and God will highlight a verse. That verse will be the anchor of your soul. When your emotions are going left, right and center, that verse will become the anchor of your soul. When there are tribulations and trials, you tell yourself, I know what God said to me. I know, I know what I got when I read the Bible. Hallelujah. That's what should be our confidence. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number four, you will give God the opportunity to be your teacher. You will give God the opportunity to teach you. You give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to instruct you. Can we go to Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4? Thank you Lord Jesus. Isaiah 50 verse 4. Oh glory, glory, glory to God. Isaiah 54. Praise the name of Jesus. Say amen if you're here. Thank you Lord. Isaiah 54. Are you, are you learning something this morning? It says the Lord... God has given me the tongue of, of disciples. Now, I want you to pay attention to this because in the King James Version, it uses the word the tongue of the learned. Now, the learned actually, in the Hebrew translation, is a disciple, a learned one. The one who has learned on thy master. He says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. That means... Uh, God, is, God is giving me a tongue so that when I meet someone who is weary, I can sustain them with a word. But how are you going to get this word? Look at this. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as what? As a disciple. What does it tell us? Look at what it tells us here. When you go before the Lord in the morning, you're going as a disciple. He will give you words. That when you come out the next day and you meet someone who is weary, what words are you going to be speaking? Words of grace. Words of comfort. How did those words come? God awakened your ear to give you instructions. I believe that God can actually, literally, teach us every morning to such an extent that when we meet people during the day, we have words of grace to minister to them. We will speak words of grace. Hmm? We will not speak insulting words. We will not, pick, we will not speak trending words. We will, not, we will not give people a piece of our mind. 
will give them the mind of Christ. It's not difficult to change from being an angry person to a loving person. Observe your quiet time. Those, that spirit of anger will melt. It will go. It will go. Oh, it will go. As you spend time with Jesus. It will be, you will be transformed. You cannot behold that mirror. You cannot behold that image and not be changed into that same image. If you behold the word of God daily, you will be changed into what the word says. Let's look at the scripture here. Uh, Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. These guys were not educated. These guys were not trained. But something happened to them. What education could not do. They are amazed. And began to recognize them. As having been with who? Jesus. Listen to me. What education cannot do for you. Spending time with God. He will do it for you. What therapy cannot do for you. Spending time with God. He will do it for you. If you spend time with Jesus. You will become like him. They were not trained. They were not educated. There are many things that the Holy Ghost will give to you if you spend time with Him. You know, we go out there in the world. We struggle in the world. A lot of things are tough for us in the world. And we wonder, oh God, why? Oh God, why? Oh God, why? If we would spend time with God every day, He would give us instruction. He would give us wisdom. He would give us direction on how to go about our life. Don't be too busy for this. Look at this. Psalm 38 verse verse 8. Quickly. I will instruct you. And teach you in the way you should go. I will advise you. With my eye upon you. How would your life turn out? Psalms 38 verse 8. That's what I just read. How will your life turn out? If God is your advisor. Oh glory to God. How will your life turn out? How? If you would hear his voice every morning. Fellowship with him. Take this serious. Take this message serious. Take it serious. Make a commitment that you spend time with the Lord. Cut out many things in your life. You know what? The, 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 I think the danger of this generation is too many things. These things are just too much. One million WhatsApp group. 78 Telegram group. You wake up. Email 500 mails. Hmm? Job is there. Children are there. In those days, children didn't have hobbies. All they needed to do was run outside, look for tin tomatoes, cup, and, and, and something. <laughs> run themselves tired, came back home. Now, first child likes to play lawn tennis. Second child wants to play badminton. Third child wants to play hockey. So in, on Monday, you are going for badminton class. Tuesday, hockey class. This one, then the, the last one says baking he wants. You are doing <laughs> so Thursday morning. You are wearing cap. We are baking. You are. I mean, I mean. Then wife now says no. She likes outdoors. So some are inside, some are outside. So I mean, you've got to balance all of this. We're not even in the church that has a lot of programs. We meet just. I mean, we just meet here twice a week. You know, like we have. Like, some of you are, are in churches that have three, three, three meetings. You know, you are in seven departments. I mean, 
The Sabbath needs to be instituted. Some of us just need rest. That's why, that's why there's a lot of talk about mental... We have stretched. The gigabyte is full. Loaded. There's no space. God can't talk. It's just, some of you just... For once, just tell yourself. Just relax. Two phones, four lines. Two WhatsApp. Two Facebook accounts. Sometimes you're even asking your wife, what is my, the other Facebook name? Things are just, there's no time. You wake up in the morning, notifications, like, friends are on you, birthday reminders, everywhere. Our life is too cluttered for progress. Trying to please people who really sometimes don't even care. And our Father and our Maker, who cares so much about us, is the one who gets our worst time. And our best time is given to everything out here. We, we, need to, we, need to, we need to rework on this now. God is calling the body of Christ into this thing now. To come back to Him. To look for that ancient path. Where in quietness and confidence is your strength. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This race that technology, society, money has put us. We need to back up from it and say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know what? You guys can run. Just go ahead. Because hmm? everything you're hearing is divine speed. You will make it. Ten years miracle compressed into one year. Even, I mean, even the teachings are, the teachings make you feel like, I have not achieved, I have not achieved. There is more, there is more. And this, there is more, is not character transformation. This there's more is material acquisition. You know I believe in prosperity, right? Because I don't believe in prosperity that steals your soul from you. When God blesses you, He blesses you in fellowship with His covenant. If not, that blessing will be used to create an idol. And that's what the children of Israel did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. Basic things required for quiet time. Number one, Eliminate distractions. Let me run through this quickly. Give me five minutes. Number one, eliminate distractions. If you have your phones by your side, put them on plain mode. There's always the temptation to respond. Okay? So when you're studying, put your phone on plain mode. <laughs> okay? Eliminate distractions first. That's why Jesus went to a secluded place. So, you can eliminate distraction by moving from the room to the parlor. Or if you know that your kids will be in the parlor early in the morning, stay somewhere in your room. But the first thing, if you want to have a quiet time, is to eliminate distraction. That's the first assignment. Number two, get your Bible. Get your Bible. Number three, if you've got worship music, you can put it on if you, if you have. Uh, number four, get a journal. That's important. You want to document the things that God is speaking to you. You want to document what God is communicating to you. So get a journal. Write out things. You know, yesterday night, uh, Sister Mary traveled. She's, she's uh, preaching in Asabar. Uh, and uh, uh, so I'm home alone with the kids. So she was, she was asking me. She said, oh, how, how are you coping with them? I said, no, you, you know, I'm, my own is a military regime. 
there's no option. So before she traveled, I prepared a timetable, 8 to 10, you're doing this, this to this, you're doing this. So as their mother was traveling, I submitted everything to them. See what you're doing, see what you're doing. <laughs> you sign here, you sign here. <laughs> so they all signed. <laughs> you know, because we all need peace. We all need peace. So, so yesterday afternoon, so yesterday, uh, they were to read uh, A Believer's Voice of Victory magazine and write out the lessons uh, they learned from it. So I gave both of them the magazines and then they wrote and they, they, they brought out the lesson. And I was teaching them. Uh, so, so, so my youngest daughter was asking me, so why are we writing it? We can just tell you. I said, no, there's something about transferring knowledge from another book to another book. The process of writing helps it to stick. The kings were commanded to write the law out again and copy it, even as a king. Because that process of writing it makes it to stick. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, I'm giving you that example to tell you that write out what God is telling you. Write. I know you, I know you know it, but write it out. That process helps you to internalize it. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, we did that for them in the TCC. They did Philippians. Wrote out the lessons they learned. The last two messages I preached. I, did, I have all the notes in my, in my, in my, in my office. Ask the TCC people. Write out. Write. Just write it out. You will not forget some of those things that you wrote out. Praise the name of the Lord. So have a journal. Call it my quiet time journal. Call it whatever you want to call it. Time with God journal. Father speaks journal. Something. But read it down. Then have a Bible reading plan. But also don't be in a hurry. You know, sometimes we have a Bible reading plan. And we say, you know what? I want to finish the Bible in one year. And so, you know, you are ten chapters behind. And you just read the thing. No, it's not competition. Okay? Quiet time means you're meditating over what you're reading. You're spending time. You can spend time in a verse. You can spend time in a chapter. You can spend time in a book. You know, as I was studying yesterday, the Spirit of God, right on my inside, just spoke to me about going back to read the book of Hebrews. So that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to spend the whole of this week just reading Hebrews. So sometimes you can have those specific direction to go and study a book. There will be something God wants to speak to you from that book. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, the church might have a reading plan, and the church reading plan might be Romans. But what God wants to speak to you might be where? In the book of whatever. So you, you can follow the church plan, but in your personal devotions, God will give you customized instructions. Okay? Questions you need to ask yourself, and we we'll wrap up here. After reading the Bible verse, for those of you who are just beginning, those of you in TCC are not right, you can document these questions. Just help you to... Some people say, oh, well, I read the Bible, I don't understand. Well, you can start with this. Number one, what does this verse mean? Number two, what does this verse mean to me in a specific circumstance? So you're reading something. You ask yourself, what does this verse mean? What does this verse mean to me in a specific circumstance? Number three, what is God telling me personally? What, what is God talking to you? We're not talking about the verse right now. So that's what you can write down. In your journal, in your notebook, right? What is God talking to me personally? Number four. How can I apply it to my life? So you now look for application. 
Because it is the doer of the word that is blessed. Praise God. So you look for application. How can I apply this thing to my life? So you read, for instance, the story of the Good Samaritan. You ask yourself, how can I apply this in my life? So you tell, you, you tell yourself, you know, you tell yourself, oh, so uh, who is my neighbor? You know, how, how can I apply this? Okay, that means I should be good to my neighbor. Alright? I shouldn't just be religious. I should be a good person. You apply that to your life. That Christ-likeness is formed in you as you do that. Is there a command to obey? Is there a command to obey? For instance, God says, love your enemies. That's a command to obey. So you take that as a command to obey. You can read some passages of scriptures and there are commands to obey. If you continue in my words, then are you my disciple. That means uh, I have to continue in God's word. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, is there a warning in the verse for me to heed? Is there something God is warning me about? So you ask yourself, is there a command to obey? Is there... A verse for me to heed. Is there a verse? Uh, sorry, is there a warning for me to heed? Is God warning me about something? Do not covet. Is God warning me about covetousness? Then you go further. Study what covetousness is. Get scriptures around covetousness. What's happening? Your study now, you're moving from that quiet time. Those things in your quiet time now becomes the framework of your personal Bible study. Okay? Is there a good example to follow? Or a bad example to avoid. In every scripture you read, there will be a good example to follow and a bad example to avoid. Okay? So you ask yourself, simple, is there a bad example here? Because some, what, what is written in the scripture is written for example. So is there a good example to follow or a bad example to avoid? Then lastly, is there a promise for me to believe? Is there a promise for me to believe? Okay? So... If you didn't, didn't get everything, you get the message. Our time is up. I need to wrap up now. Is there a promise to believe? So you look at it and say, Lord, I, I'm looking at this verse. It says, even in famine you will laugh. That's a promise to believe. So what do you do? You get a hold of that verse. Praise God. My, my LDC, some of my leaders I'm training right now, I give them an assignment. I said, you know what, guys? Let's start memorizing one verse a week. Let's start memorizing one verse a week. You know, we, you know, we threw some of those things outside. Memory verse. Hmm? How many of you can remember memory verse? Hmm? How many of you can remember a memory verse you learned when you were in children's Sunday school? How many of you can remember? Raise your hand if you can. When you were in children's Sunday school. And you can remember. Okay, you can remember, right? Why do you think you remember it? Why do you think so? You, you, you diligently, right, repeated it. Now, how many of you know you cannot remember some of the passages I read last month? Let's be honest now. Why do you think you don't remember? So, so it's simple. But how many of you think it would be a good thing to memorize one chapter, sorry, one verse a week? And in one year, you have 52 verses up in your head. <sighs> but how many of you know you have not forgotten my God shall supply all my needs according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus? You know why you haven't forgotten it? You hear it all the time. So what does that mean? What you repeat is what will stick if you keep repeating God's word to yourself, it will stick in your mind. 
So you have to. Whatever is not in your mind right now, you haven't done the diligent work to put it in your mind. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We recommit and rededicate our lives to you today for renewal and spiritual formation. We, we see areas we have aired where the word of God is concerned and we repent of that. And we come before you and make a dedication, Father God, that we would fellowship with you. That we would spend time with you. That we would meditate on your word. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you been blessed this morning? Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, just quick announcements before we receive our offerings, okay? Um, Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.